Hey everyone, Tessa Stuckey here with For the Sake of Our Youth. I just want to take a quick second to thank you for listening and joining me on this journey. This is a really scary world that we live in and being a parent is without a doubt the hardest job in the world. I am a mom of four, I'm a therapist, and now I'm an author. I'm so excited to announce that my book, For the Sake of Our Youth, was recently published in April. You can find it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. As a therapist, I get this amazing advantage to hear what's going on in today's world for our youth, and I just can't be quiet about it, to understand what's going on in today's culture and how it's affecting our kids' emotions. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not looking good. I have always said that I could talk about this forever, so much so that I could write a book about it. So I wrote the book about it, but I'm not done talking. So here we go. Ooh, also, sorry. If you're liking what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe so that you get updated whenever there's a new episode that comes out. Maybe even leave a review. That would help other parents find this podcast easier. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at the mom therapist. For more information, go to www.tessastuckey.com. So if you guys are liking what you're hearing, I would love it if you could give me some feedback. Actually, scratch that. Even if you, especially if you don't like what you're hearing. I love feedback. Even if it's not the nicest, I want to hear all about it. Even if it's about crappy audio or I edited something weird or I said a word in a weird way, which that does happen sometimes. Anything or I'm smacking my gum, which I'm trying not to do. I'm trying not to have gum when I record Um, anything or if I'm saying um too much or talking too much whatever I want to hear it and so before you go just hey that's like that song I love that song can I say you want me to sing it for you so before you go you know what I mean was there something I could have said to make your heart beat better? If only I'd have known you had a storm to weather. I think I'm going to make that like my theme song. Well, I can't make it my theme song, but. So, before you go, was there something I could have said to make it all stop hurting? Kills me how your mind can make you feel so worthless. So, before you go, I like that. (laughs) For those of you who don't know me, I love to sing, even if I shouldn't. So, there you go. Leave me a review on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts. I would love it. I would really appreciate it. Write me, DM me, whatever. Go to the link in my bio on Instagram at The Mom Therapist, and there's a tab there that says Ask Tessa. You can literally call in a question or comment or feedback or whatever. Just let me know. I love interacting with people, and because of COVID, I haven't had the chance to do that as much. So, yeah, talk to me. This episode contains information about heavy topics that could be sensitive to individuals. All of the names and details of individuals shared in this episode have been changed or altered to protect their identity and privacy. 
Have you guys seen the movie Jumanji? It's one of my favorites. I mean, I love the original with Robin Williams, of course, but when they redid it with The Rock and Jack Black, oh my gosh, it is so good. And I don't usually like sequels or redos, remakes. Yeah, remakes. Um, But I love it. So whether you've seen the one with Robin Williams or the one with The Rock, it's a story about a game of kids and teenagers that play this game that they can literally be killed from if they don't make the right decisions. So unexpected predators and quote-unquote bad guys appear, and if the players don't think and move quickly, they're goners. Many people play a game in real life that is very similar to Jumanji every single day. It's a risky game that can have some great effects, but it usually isn't fun getting there. If we aren't making the right moves or decisions when the quote-unquote bad guys appear, bad thoughts, it can get really, really bad, dark, and scary. What risky game am I talking about? Depression, anxiety, and medication. For some lucky contestants, medication is easy and harmless. It helps exactly how it is meant to help. It takes the edge off and makes overwhelming situations and stressors much more manageable. Those who are struggling with a biological chemical imbalance of mental illness benefit greatly from medication. Even for those with a chemical imbalance, entering the game can be risky. It can be a long and exhausting journey that can be harmful in the process. If one starts an antidepressant and it is not metabolized correctly or it doesn't do its job correctly of balancing the chemicals for that individual, it can actually create a bigger imbalance. Therefore, emotional stability may be non-existent. I want to clear something up. I am not anti-medication. I am a fan of medication for those who need medication. But what I am against is handing over prescription drugs to young minds, labeling them with a diagnosis because they have one or two symptoms that sound similar, and sending them on their way. I'm also against encouraging this game as the only option for success. I believe addressing some of today's cultural influences will minimize the use of medications and many families won't have to even attempt to play this risky game. This is from an 18-year-old who struggles with depression and anxiety and suicidal thinking. A year ago, sitting here, there was no way I was open to trying medication. And I'm glad I didn't. But now that I've tried so many things and I've talked to you once a week for a full year, I think I need more help. I can't get these thoughts out of my head and I'm scared. Sometimes emotional hurricanes don't go away and we need something more. Sometimes our child talks about how they want to die a few times too many and is not living a hard good life but rather a hard bad life. Sometimes the option of medication and therapy needs to be available. Now, I know that some people fear judgment or stigma when it comes to anything that involves mental health or therapy, but I look at it as the opposite. If you or your child goes to therapy, you're actually choosing to take ownership and manage your hard life and your real emotions. That's a good thing. That's a strong thing. You care about your thoughts, your lifestyle, your emotional well-being. You are practicing emotional hygiene. It's like exercise for your mind, your emotions, and your mental health. If you've never been to therapy, you may have no idea what it looks like. 
And the idea of sending your child or your teen to therapy when you're unsure of what to expect can be really daunting. Let me explain how I look at therapy. I can only speak for myself, not for other therapists, but this is how I view it. Therapy is a place where someone can express their inner private thoughts with comfort and safety. It's a place with no judgment, no bias, no emotional attachment coming from the therapist. It's similar to writing in a journal, but you get validation and helpful responses. Therapy is a place where vulnerability actually feels good instead of weak, where relief is overwhelming and security is provided. Therapy is a place where we are challenged as human beings so that we can be productive and make positive progress to achieve overall emotional stability and well-being. They don't teach conflict resolution in high school, and we're not taught to prioritize our self-care or our well-being either. Similar to having your own personal self-growth philosophy I talked about in the last episode about motivation and purpose, therapy goes really well with that, hand in hand. Like I've said before, we can have a hard good life or a hard bad life, and it's on us to decide. We've all been dealt different hands, and we need to see what we have to learn to deal with them. As much as I hope that my kids will come to me for everything, as I'm sure you feel about your kids, we have to sit back and think about what will be best for them. It hurts to think that our kids don't feel comfortable with us or don't feel safe with us. But that's part of life is allowing for them to learn from other people and other experiences in this world, not to be their sole teacher or their sole coach. There will be times that they confide in you, yes, but there will also be times that whatever hardship they are experiencing, it might be too uncomfortable to come to you. And they may need an unbiased outlook an impartial listener. You can't be unbiased. I know you know that, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Therapy can be a helpful tool to do just that. In therapy, you can learn how to be the human you desire to be in this world while living your hard, good life. So I'm going to tell you guys about Kinsley. When Kinsley was nine, her mom started abusing her. Kinsley had two brothers, one older and one younger, who would witness their mom throw Kinsley around, hit her in the face, pull her hair, and scream at her until she lost her voice. At times, Kinsley would fight back, and that would just fire her mom up even more. Kinsley and her brothers had no idea that this wasn't happening in other houses. How could they know? When kids grow up in a house that they think is normal, they assume other families are doing the same thing. Kinsley believed that whatever she did to cause her mom's intense reaction was deserved. She was being taught a dysfunctional family dynamic. Kinsley now sits in my office suffering from anxiety and depression because of her traumatic upbringing. She has made numerous suicide attempts and now she practices self-harm to cope during stressful situations, even light stressors. She has become addicted to the relief and sensation that cutting herself provides. When I sit with Kinsley and listen to her describe her longing for a razor, I can't help but relate it to someone jonesing for a cigarette. I know kids vape now, but you know what I mean. Cigarettes is what we know. (laughs) She would say things like, can't wait to get home from school just to cut. Or, I've had a really hard week. All I want is to cut. All I can think about is cutting. I know that once I do it, I'll feel so much better and I won't need it anymore. This happens a lot with my clients that practice self-harm. It really does sound like someone needing a drug or a cigarette. Replace it with, I can't wait to get home from work 
and have a cigarette. I've had a really hard week. All I want is a cigarette and to relax. Or all I can think about is smoking. I know that once I do it, I'll feel so much better and I won't need to do it anymore. Right? Isn't it so similar? Kinsley is struggling daily to not self-harm. She started the game of medication at the age of 13, and after a year and a half of medication changes, suicide attempts, and hospitalization, she finally found her right mixture. When she is consistent with her medication, she has very little to practically no desire to self-harm. Kinsley needs medication to function and get through these tough years as a teenager. She needs medication to handle her emotions while processing the trauma she endured for so long. It has become one of her basic needs in order to survive. This is part of her self-care. And I also want to add that typically when someone is starting out with medication, they need to have therapy to go alongside it, hand in hand. It's almost like brushing your teeth with no toothpaste or only washing half of your car. If you are starting medication or your child needs to get on medication, it is really important to set them up with a therapist so that they can learn how to cope because medication is not a magic pill. There are still going to be hard days and hard moments. And it's important to know that and to have someone by your side while you go on this journey through this risky game. So I want to talk about the differences between an like environmental mental illness and a biological mental illness. So the, I know it might seem obvious, but there are chemical imbalances within the brain that people are born with. They're usually genetic, and this is the biological cause of mental illness. So a lot of times if people have depression, anxiety, bipolar within their family, it can be passed down genetically. There are also environmental factors that can affect us, such as a hard, confusing season of our life or a traumatic event. If something traumatic happens to someone, it can affect their wiring in their brain. Like it literally can create a chemical imbalance similar to those who are born with it. Likewise, hormones can have the strength to tap into our mental health as well. So that's why, you know, girls who are getting their period or women who are pregnant or postpartum depression, those hormones can take over and create that chemical imbalance similar to the mental illness from biology. So we're all going to experience a level of depression or anxiety throughout our life, right? I could spout out the diagnostic criteria for you, and or I can put it like this. You feel like poop, you look like poop, and you want others to feel poopy too. <laughs> a chemical imbalance within the brain is purely scientific. It makes life struggles that others handle just fine a bit harder for the sufferer. Some people just truly can't help but think certain thoughts, especially when those hormones jump in to join that depression. It's part of their natural being. Depending on what person wants to do for help, there is relief, such as talk therapy to process thoughts and emotions and learn how to build stronger emotional control, or there's medication. Medication is a great tool for someone who has a chemical imbalance. Now, can you have a chemical imbalance and not take medication and be okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. It takes a lot of strength and effort, but it is absolutely possible. A lot of times hormones can kickstart an imbalance that we didn't even know was there. So sometimes 
when we have maybe some chemical mental illness in our family and our kids don't show any signs of taking on any of that in their genetics, then they hit those hormonal years and we start to see it. We have to learn about our own individual situation, chemical imbalance or not, and choose to work with and grow from it. Think of it as a cocktail. Everyone has their own recipe for a delicious cocktail with numerous ingredients. Some need to add a little bit of something to make it sweeter and less sour so it can taste just right. Others have the right mix from the get-go. After multiple hospitalizations, numerous medication changes, and staying in a treatment facility for six months, Kinsley finally felt strong enough to tackle real life. With some fear and hesitation mixed with hopeful hearts, her parents agreed. They enrolled her in a new school and set her up with the best individual therapist they could find, which was not me, by the way. (laughs) However, Kinsley wasn't so sure. She had a hard time voicing her concerns as she had already been through so many therapists and treatment centers. She was fearful her parents would become frustrated. For added support and help, Kinsley joined my female teenager group that I facilitate on a bi-weekly basis. So I facilitate this group with the philosophy that each teen is exhausted, hurting, confused, seeking support, and seeking attention. I allow all topics to be brought up and no question is off limits. I always describe it to parents similar to like a sleepover where there's a lot of girl talk and, you know, chit-chatting and catching up and then someone brings up something really deep and insightful and heavy and we all kind of dive in together and talk it through remember those like sleepovers you would have with your friends you stayed up till one in the morning just uh, connecting and having such a good time talking it's kind of like that so I look at it as a place where there's a lot of learning growing and expressing Kinsley felt comfortable immediately because she had been through so many you know processes similar to this She felt the safety, the comfort, and acceptance, and she was such a good support system for the other girls. About a month into group, Kinsley asked her parents if I could become her individual therapist. Again, with hesitation, her parents obliged, and I began seeing Kinsley one-on-one for one hour every week. I learned in detail about her family history, her struggle with self-harm, and all of her experience in each hospital. Some sessions were filled with darkness, while others were motivating and hopeful. A few months into working with her and her addiction to self-harming, she came in lower than I'd ever seen her before. She expressed the desire to not struggle through the pain anymore. She felt her only way of comfort was to end her life, and I was forced to make the decision to keep her safe. Hospitalization. Kinsley was hospitalized for almost two weeks. She was mad at herself, mad at her parents, mad at the world. But mostly, she was mad at me for sending her there. When she came back to therapy, I had to regain rapport and connection with her all over again. It took many months to reconstruct our relationship. After we reconnected, she made great progress. It's been almost a year since your last hospitalization, Kinsley. I don't want to speak for you or too soon, but I can't help but notice the progress you've made. You haven't cut. You haven't experienced suicidal thoughts. How do you think you've been able to do that? You found strength. What are your thoughts on that? Kinsley responded, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been a year. I've never gone that long without cutting or being in the hospital. I'm so proud of myself. This is amazing. 
I honestly think it was self-awareness. I finally hit a point where I was able to be more in touch with my emotions and how to self-regulate them. I don't know. It's as if I just decided to find joy. I've accepted what has happened to me. I've accepted and forgiven my parents. I'm not holding on to any resentment anymore. My relationship with my parents has improved and gotten to a place I never would have seen happening. And then also, I think that sometimes I'm just so busy. I got a job. I have a boyfriend. I take some really hard classes. I don't have time to sit around and put as much focus and energy into my depression. I definitely have depression, and I'm glad I take medication for it, but why did everything have to revolve around it? And then you, of course, Tessa, I've never had a therapist for this long. I've never felt so free to talk about my feelings and felt so safe. I'm happy to report that Kinsley is now off to college. She plans to major in psychology and become a therapist to help teenagers who struggle with depression and anxiety. While she still experiences moments of doubt, fear, defeat, depression, anxiety, and hurt, she has recognized that this life is hard, and she has found her strength to be able to have a good, hard life rather than wasted on a bad, hard life. So for parents, I know it's really hard to make some of these decisions and decide, do they need therapy? Is this just a season? Is this just for attention? Do they need medication? It's really hard to gauge that. You know your child in ways that other people don't. You've seen them grow since they were a little baby. You know how they behave and react to certain things. But this is what I have to say about that. Your child may not need medication. They may just need a place to go vent or let some thoughts out or learn how to cope how to fill their toolbox up with some good coping skills. I've talked on here about helping your child come up with coping skills. You can find in episode 11 of this podcast some of my thoughts on instilling coping skills and how to have that discussion with your child no matter how old they are. Or it might be time to find them a good therapist that can help them explore some of those coping skills and options a little bit easier. Medication is not a bad thing. But like I said in the beginning, it can be risky, and it's just good to know that. I think a lot of times doctors are like, yeah, take this. There's some possible side effects, but, you know, just be aware of that. But then I'm the person who, you know, gets to talk with the teenager or the individual when they're going through those side effects, and it's really, really hard. So I'm not making this episode to scare you. I just want you to know that it can be a risky game but it might be worth it. It's definitely worth struggling through the risky game than experiencing a game over. Because it's Suicide Prevention Month, we're ending it today actually, I really wanted to get this information out. For anyone who is struggling with suicidal thinking, dark, heavy thoughts, or self-harm, it's okay to get help. It's okay to get on medication. It's okay to talk about the options. You are here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but you're here. You're here. And maybe today's a bad day, but that doesn't mean that tomorrow has to be. Practice the part of self-care that focuses on your emotions and how to find that balance. It's going to be okay.